See, that to me is the difference between learning something for YouTube and learning something on a stream. You know, to me, the stream is so much more fun because I can play it. I can make a few mistakes and be like, oh, that was great. You know, oh, we could try it again. Or maybe I'll just be like, okay, that was the last time I'll ever play that. (laughs) And then move on to something else. Whereas on YouTube, you have to practice those rhythms. You have to practice the coordination, the lineup of the left and the right to, to be accurate. And to me, that's, it's harder. It's more tedious. It's not as fun. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 114 of Rhythm Encounter, the RPG fan music podcast. I'm your host, Patrick, and joining me today is my wonderful co-host, Hillary. Hi. As well as our special guest, Kara Comparetto. Hello. Yay. So uh, welcome, everyone. Today, uh, we're going to be talking about performance-driven video game music covers. And of course, we're going to be focusing on the contributions that Kara has brought to us via YouTube, Twitch, and streaming audio platforms. We're going to be focusing on how not just the piano, but many keyboard-based instruments, whether it's an electronic keyboard, or a pipe organ, or a harpsichord, are so versatile and so useful in creating and rearranging game music. But first, uh, Kara, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, I'm, I'm interested in, in how you got started with music and uh, how you got s- started with, uh, you know, streaming your music performance. Well, the streaming came many, many, many years later. But I guess if I want to start from the beginning, I grew up with uh, music all in my house because my father was a piano tuner and a piano technician. Um, And of course, his mother was also a musician. She was an organist and a pianist as well. So I have music running in my family and my parents don't play the piano at all, but they raised me and my sister and my brother to play the piano. So I've been playing the piano my whole life. Um, And then later on, I guess I started to well, let's I'm I'm getting a little bit too far ahead. Let's start with me kind of going through my um, my t- teaching experience and my, my teachers that um, taught me very well, which they, um, one of the biggest things that I learned was how to sight read. And my teacher would teach me a lot about reading music. Um, and we would just go through lots and lots of different pieces of music all the time. And so by the time I was 18, I had learned how to sight read really well. Um, And of course, that's benefited me a lot in my streaming because I do a lot of live learns on my channel. Um, And then the music, the, the video game stuff came from playing video games. So my brother and I played video games together all the time as a kid. And he eventually inspired me to start making covers of video game music. And so that's how it started. So as as a gamer playing playing games, you know, in your childhood and your teen years with your brother, 
I'm wondering, you know, what are some of the games that you were most drawn to or some of your favorite games from your childhood? Well, it's kind of funny because I never was an RPG fan, <laughs> though I did love Chrono Trigger. That was one of my favorite games. That was probably one of the only RPGs I played as a kid. Um, and the story behind that is that my mom was a teacher at a high school and she confiscated the game from one of her students because he was being misbehaving or something and so it ended up in our car because she had brought it home and it never got back to him and so we ended up playing it and that's how we got into RPGs. My brother had a PlayStation but I was young you know I was too little and he would play Final Fantasy and um, Final Fantasy 8 I remember him playing a lot of but it wasn't my thing I, I think I was just more into the Nintendo games. I loved Donkey Kong and Mario and Kirby those were my favorite games, platformers. Um, but my music, the music, you know, of all of these games definitely became part of my career. Oh, that's great. And to think it, it all started with Contraband Chrono Trigger. Mm -hmm. Was that the, was it the PlayStation version or was it the DS version that y'all got a hold of? I, I must have been the, was it for Super Nintendo? Oh, wow. The original. The SMS original. Cartridge? Oh, yeah. I'm old enough for that. Nice. <laughs> nice. That makes me happy. <laughs> I love I love that story. Contraband Chrono Trigger. <laughs> I think that uh that that might be the new title for this episode. <laughs> I'm okay with it if it cares. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So um, you know, one of the things that uh, a lot of your viewers on YouTube seem to respond positively to, and I know for myself, um, I always get excited when I see this is um, you do a fair bit of cosplay with uh, some of your performances. And I'm wondering how that came to be. Like, where'd you get the idea? Do you have a fondness for cosplaying outside of, you know, musical performance? How did that all get started? So to your last question or your second to last question, absolutely not. I didn't know anything about cosplay when I first started cosplaying. And when I did make costumes in the old days, they were, what do you call it? Closet cosplay. And so I would just grab things from my closet that looked like these characters mm -hmm. from video games. Mm -hmm. And of course people lo loved that, you know, that made the video, it gave it, you know, that extra step up from the average videos that were going up on YouTube at the time. Um, and of course it became more and more sophisticated. I started to make my own costumes and do, you know, make the cape for Kefka, for instance, or I would knit, I actually knit the costume for Ayla out of this faux fur yarn. So I started to get a little more creative because I definitely have a crafty side. And I had seen there's there's a um, a pianist named Purple Scala. I'm sure you guys yep. have heard of her before. <laughs> and she does absolutely beautiful cosplays. And so I think she was definitely an inspiration in my journey into cosplay. Yeah. You know, speaking speaking of uh, yeah, being very sort of like hands on and crafty, and we're going to get to this a bit later, but um, I know that, you know, you do limited uh, limited production, like CD runs, physical copies of some of your works. I think you've released maybe like seven albums now. Do I have that right? Oh, I don't know. Something like that. Yeah. And uh, for some of them, you released digital only and some of them there's physical copies. And I know that, you know, those that you do, there's a lot of, you know, sort of work by hand on that. Yes, but it makes it part of the fun. You know, I've I've enjoyed doing that and um, 
just making it look more authentic and especially with Chrono Trigger, which, you know, has always been my favorite game. I wanted to do those costumes. I wanted to make them beautiful. And it was just a pleasure to be able to do that and to, you know, make a real Luca and make a real Marl that, you know, for people to be able to experience that realness of those characters. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, you know, two of the characters that I think a lot of people have have seen from you is uh, um, a while back, I don't remember how far back, you, you uh, did a full performance of the entire four-part Dancing Mad, the final battle from Final Fantasy VI, where uh, one version of you, I think this is you on the piano, is Terra. Correct. And then on the organ, you were Kafka. Yes. All right, so we're going to take a quick break and play uh, a portion. We're not going to play the entire thing because, as many people know, it is a very, very long song. We're going to pull a portion of... Uh, you know, Kara's performance of Dancing Mad, and then we'll be back to talk about it.
All right, so that was a portion of Dancing Mad. Uh, you got to hear the uh, sort of Baroque fugue organ section, and then the transition into the final part of the giant tower where it's it's Kepka himself, and that's when the piano uh, kicks back in alongside the organ. So um, first of all, I gotta say, I've heard dozens of versions of Dancing Mad uh, over the years, over the decades. And, uh, you know, it's it's one of my favorite Oematsu pieces. Um, you know, it's essentially four songs, not one, it's sort of a, or a four movement piece for the final battle. And there's so much to love about it. Um, but I think what I love most about your arrangement is sort of the efficacy of using these two specific instruments. You know, the piano sort of gives this percussive sound that that stands in place for like the drum part at the end. Um, and then the organ is already naturally present uh, in the song. And so it was just really fitting. Um, I, I'm, I'm interested in hearing a bit about your process, about, uh, you know, the arrangement work, how much of that was you, how much of it was other people. I know that there are, there are you both have fan submissions and then, uh, you know, other people also help collaborate with you on that. Um, and, and also just what did you, what did you think when you were preparing to make this video and record this song? Well, I had never played Final Fantasy VI before um, until I played it on Twitch for the first time. I guess it was maybe a little bit before I started making that arrangement. Um, so, and I ended up loving the game. I feel like if I had played that game as a kid, I would have absolutely loved it as much as I loved Chrono Trigger. <laughs> you know, that, that scene in the opera house is just, I think one of the best scenes in video game history. It's just an amazing portion of the game. I'm glad you liked um, it so much. Yeah, yeah. absolutely iconic. Very, yeah. very memorable. And of course I love old graphics and all that stuff. I, I, I feel like I'm so old school in that. I don't want to play any new games. I just want to play old games. <laughs> uh, you and me both. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure I, I wonder like going on podcasts with RPG fan colleagues sometimes if I'm like bringing on too much old stuff right. or like, or adventure games, but uh, it's, yeah. it's good to know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not alone. Well, and I think I had heard the Distant Worlds performance of Dancing Mad, which of course is, you know, iconic. That's one of the best um, performances of that piece ever. Um, so I had, I knew of it, um, but I wasn't really connected or attached to it until I played the game. And of course, lucky me, I beat Kefka on the first, on the first try. Yay. And that made me feel really good. And I think I just ended up you know, getting inspired to, to do that piece. Now, I can't remember now if I recorded the whole soundtrack first or if I, I think I must have done Dancing Mad first. Yeah, so that was my first Final Fantasy VI piece. Um, and I was taking organ lessons at the time or I had just previously been taking organ lessons. So the pipe organ was something that I was kind of into at the time. And I just started thinking, hey, I could make this arrangement where I perform the whole thing. And if I use, I use the piano collections version as inspiration um, and the distant world's performance. So I would listen to it as I wrote my arrangement and kind of tried to figure out which parts would go for which instruments. I mean, like you said, um, 
uh, Patrick, you, you said that whole idea of the piano being that percussive quality that the organ doesn't have. So, you know, if you play it all on organ, I feel like you're missing that percussive sound of especially, you know, the Distant Worlds performance, but also the original. Um, and so I just worked my butt off. I worked really hard. I would go to the church and I would just write music and I would play it and figure out which stops to use, which registrations to use. It was my first time ever using or, or writing music, really. I had not written many arrangements before that. I was going to ask because it sounded like you have a really strong sight reading background. So, oh, that's so neat. I'm sorry. Go on. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm classically trained. And to me, you know, I always used to say classical music, you know, there's every note in it is is perfect. You don't need any more notes. So for me, it's like, I'll just play it as is and it's brilliant, you know? And so I never really thought that I could make my own arrangements and make something unique. Uh, but that changed with Dancing Mad. And I actually hand wrote most of the arrangement until somebody directed me to a software that would do that for you with the use of a like a MIDI keyboard. Um, and so I actually learned how to use that while I was doing Dancing Mad, but a lot of it was handwritten to begin with. Wow, yeah, th that's absolutely impressive. Um, you know, to sort of have that start in the work of arrangement and transcription after sort of being performer only for so long, you know, I think that that shift uh, as a musician can be very difficult. Um, I, some of the listeners know, you know, my background is in piano performance and some dabbling in, in notation and composition. Um, I've never really, I mean, I've, I, I shouldn't say I've never touched an organ, but I'm no good at it. Um, I find uh, specifically the feet work, uh, you know, playing notes with your feet instead of just using a sustain pedal is the hardest thing in the world to me. Mm -hmm. And I actually, you know, I very much appreciate that you do a lot of fancy footwork uh, in a lot of your organ performances, uh, not just in Dancing Mad, but uh, especially in the, the Chrono Trigger work. Um, you know, moving all four limbs seems very complicated to me and you seem to do it very well. Yeah, well, it's it's a beast of an instrument and having taken lessons learning how to play it, um, I'm still a, a definitely an amateur. You know, I have to force myself to get good at these things. It's not, doesn't come nearly as easy as the piano, which I've been playing my whole life. So I've had to really work at it um, and learn how to use it <laughs> because it's definitely not in my nature to be able to do that like I can on the piano. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I wanted to ask about the, the process of recording over oneself. Um, you know, like, I imagine that's, that's fairly difficult. Um, you know, even if you're, even if you have the aid of like using like a digital metronome, a click track, you know, there's certainly also sections where you know, there, there may be need for some sort of, you know, fermata or hold. Um, and I feel like making these recordings where you're doing not just one performance, but two or even three, as we'll get to uh, later with Chrono Trigger, um, I, I'm, I'm wondering, how did you manage that? And I'm, and I'm also just curious, 
Which did you record first between piano and organ for Dancing Mad? So I went with the easiest instrument, which of course was the piano. And I did that also with Chrono Trigger. Um, it just made it easy for me to get it out of the way, have it done. Um, and then I would practice the organ over the top of the piano recordings that I had made. Um, at the time, I think I was pretty naive and I just thought it would be easy to layer tracks. <laughs> I didn't think about the whole, you know, process of actually doing that and making it sound good together. Um, so that, of course, came later with the help of someone else. Uh, but when I first um, recorded it, I, yeah, I recorded that whole first part and I would do um, count-ins. So I, I, I did not use a metronome with Dancing Mad. I did wow. with all the Chrono Trigger tracks, but that's because I wanted them to be exactly as fast as the original soundtrack. So with Dancing Mad, I kind of just winged it a little bit but That's I would do, yeah <laughs> and I think it can be a little bit more there's more fermatas you know it's not a looped track as mm -hmm. much as as with the other ones yep um so I could count myself in and then we would just delete the counts um and then the fermatas I would just learn them so I practiced it enough that I knew how long I was holding things for on the piano and how, how when to come in on the organ when we uh, eventually recorded it that's incredible. Wow, so it's almost like you're doing a ensemble work, but well, I think of the the organ is an orchestra to me. That, you know, it's got that orchestra quality, so it is. It does feel like you're you're making your own orchestra. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. Yeah, the versatility of of the organ is just wild, and uh, we're going to get into this uh, shortly. Uh, you know, just how uh, expertly you used it for your uh, your new Chrono Trigger work. Um, before we get to that, though, I, I did want to ask about one of the things that I've really been impressed about. You know, you talked about your your live plays and sight reading. Um, the this whole notion of like someone someone just throws you some sheet music, and it could be you know their own fan arrangement, or I know you know you often have used like for Final Fantasy the official piano collections. Or sometimes there's like the do re mi transcriptions of OSTs and and other forms like that. I've seen you use all of those at different times. Um, when when did you get into this 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 work? And I imagine it started on Twitch or maybe not. But this idea of like I'm going to take requests. Someone throw me the music, and I'm going to give like I'm going to give it a go first try. Oh, well, sight reading for me has been kind of, or was, I should say, a, a sort of a personal uh, accomplishment. You know, it wasn't really something that I felt like I could use in public. You know, when I'm doing YouTube recordings, for instance, just like everybody else, I have to learn them. And even if I can learn them faster, because I'm just sight reading them, in a sense, you know, I'm reading the music, so it's a lot easier to learn. Um, I'm still having to learn it. Um, so it was more of a personal accomplishment. I didn't, I never really was able to share it with anybody until I started to stream. And then that was a chance for me to just learn music live in front of people and use my skill for other people. So people will send me music. I, I, ha I have a, a special email for that and they'll send me sheet music. It'll go through an approval process before it gets onto my list 
and I have like 3,000 songs on there now. Oh, and wow. pe- people will pick anything. So as long as it's on the list, I'll pull it up. And every once in a while, it's um, not good sheet music. So mm-hmm. it kind of depends. And if it's not, I just say, okay, that wasn't good. Let's pick another song. <laughs> yeah. uh, but it's usually it's usually okay. <laughs> well, one of the reasons, I, and I'm glad you brought up, you know, running into something that isn't great. Um, sometimes you also run into things that prove very challenging. Um, the first time, to my knowledge, that um, we actually referenced your work on our show was... Um, we did an April Fool's episode that was focused on all things Chuckabo. It was all Chuckabo themes. And I had, I had been talking about um, the piano collection arrangements and actually uh, cited the Cinco de Chuckabo from Final Fantasy VII. And I think someone else on that episode, you know, mentioned that there were, uh, that the, someone had, you know, attempted it on YouTube and that it was, very challenging. And I was like, oh, I think that's Cara Comparetto. And I was right. <laughs> and uh, we actually found uh, a video where you did a whole bunch of, um, I think it was a whole bunch of Final Fantasy VII tracks. And um, you were like, oh, this is my second time taking on Senko de Chocobo. And the first time you took it on, that you remember it being particularly challenging. And actually, I'm proud to say I own physical copies of all those, like every single one of those um, FF piano collections. And, uh, among the few songs that I can't play from seven, that's one of them. I can't, I can't do it. Uh, (laughs) and it's, I don't think it's, I don't think it's the five, four. I don't think it's necessarily the time signature. I I do just think it is a very advanced and very jazzy arrangement. Um, but I love watching that video, like on your second go, you're like, Oh no, I got this. And then like, you kind of knocked it out of the park on that second one. <laughs> well, I'm glad you think so, because I, I, I'm now remembering which one you're talking about, which which Chocobo piece it is. And that that is a killer. Like, I, I think I was faking a lot of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you drop a few notes here and there, but as oh, long yeah. as you keep time, like, I, I've definitely learned how to fake stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's the thing about that sort of live learning and performance sight reading is, like, you, like, to do it well, like, you cannot stop. Like you gotta just keep the song going, and if you missed a note, you missed a note, and you just go. Um, and I think a lot of people really struggle with that. They're like, "No, I need to go back and get it right." It's like, well, if you're performing it right now, like, there's no opportunity. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you really screwed up, yeah, start over at a, you know a measure point or something. But otherwise, like, all right, I hit an E flat instead of an E natural, but let's keep going, right? Right. See, that to me is the difference between learning something for YouTube and learning something on a stream. You know, to me, the stream is so much more fun because I can play it. I can make a few mistakes and be like, oh, that was great. You know, oh, we could try it again. Or maybe I'll just be like, okay, that was the last time I'll ever play that. And then move on to something else. Whereas on YouTube, you have to practice those rhythms. You have to practice the coordination, the lineup of the left and the right to to be accurate. And to me, that's it's harder. It's more tedious. It's not as fun. Yeah, it it is definitely uh, more laborious to to make these recorded entries. Though uh, I think you know anyone who takes the time to check out your channel and see the work you've done, uh, you know, I think. You can see you can see the difference, and the live plays are so much fun. I think there's just so much there's so much positive energy in those moments, and especially if you get live in your Twitch chat, there's so much positive energy there as well. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah, the recorded stuff is just so impressive to me. And I think that, you know, over time, if you compare some of your earlier recordings to the most recent, uh, there's there's also, I think, uh, a, a step up. I don't know if it's mm-hmm. a mix or just your confidence in performing, but there's, my opinion is there's something very impressive about your latest release, which is actually technically an ongoing release, mm-hmm. at least digitally, which is Chrono Trigger played by Kara Comparetta, the official <laughs> album. <laughs> well, I was never a performer before, which is funny. You know, I started uploading YouTube videos at age 28. And before that, <clears throat> I hated being on stage. I, I've always had stage fright. I've never really played live that often. I played concerts here and there, but you know, to me, that was the scary part of playing the piano. So in a sense, the recordings on YouTube are me making myself do something that's hard for me. And I think that it, I've learned a lot from that. And I keep at it because I think it, it makes me a better musician and it just kind of rounds out my skills Whereas if, if it were my choice, I'd just want to play live all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The live, the live plays, uh, you know, I, I've been able to hop into uh, streams from time to time and, and lurk as I do. And uh, <laughs> I, um, I've definitely been uh, impressed with just sort of the nature. And, and I really want our listeners to consider checking this out, checking out your live streams because um there is sort of this, uh, there's a sort of friendliness and sort of positive vibe. I think a lot about like hanging out at like a, like a jazz club or a bar and just like people making requests and like you being able to be like, yeah, sure. Maybe, I don't know. And then like you play it or you don't. And there's just a lot of, there's a lot of humor banter. There's a lot of back and forth. And I think, uh, you know, that's that environment is really nice to work in, but then to like have to, polish and produce something that's recorded is a lot more unsettling and there's a lot more pressure. And we will have links to, you know, both YouTube and Twitch and everything. So you can kind of see the difference and see all these different avenues. Cause it is really fascinating. These are all facets of mute performing music. Right. And it's really interesting to look at all of them. So we'll make sure we have those in the show notes. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, next I, I want to talk about, your, your new album. Um, this is Chrono Trigger, played by Cara Comparetto. Um, you released a limited run of CDs that are already sold out. Um, I, I had heard, I think it was 100 or maybe 150 copies that you made. 250. 250 mm-hmm. and sold out. Incredible. Yeah. Uh, sold out probably very quick because I remember um, asking about, about details for it. Um, to populate a page on VGMDB right after I had placed my order. And as I was putting it together uh, uh, and, and listing the site where people could go to buy it, it, would, it was already marked as sold out. And I was like, <laughs> man, I just barely made the cusp. I should have listened to my designer, my CD designer, and gone with more. <laughs> he kept saying, you could sell more, Kara, but I was too afraid. It's one of those things. CDs are... You know, a lot of people don't use them anymore. Yeah. And, and yeah, I think there was, yeah, people definitely were interested. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm openly boasting about the fact that I have a physical <laughs> copy. It has quickly become a, a cherished uh, entry in my library. 
Um, I'm going to have a written review um, for this album. Hopefully it's either by the time this podcast is published, uh, it'll, the review will either already be out or it'll be forthcoming. Uh, spoiler alert, I really like it. Um, <laughs> that's the TLDR of the review. I'll get into the nitty gritty for anyone who wants to read that review, of course. Um, now, the way you're releasing it is really interesting to me. Um, so the physical CDs, people who bought it were able to get that music early. Um, otherwise, right now, the album is not up for for streaming because you're releasing, you know, you're releasing the tracks uh, over time, <laughs> time, Chrono Trigger, um, <laughs> on YouTube. Uh, and of course, you know, the I think you and I had talked about it privately via email, Kara, like the difference between the audio recordings and getting to see it in video, there's there's a big difference there, not just in, you know, sort of the fun factor, because uh, as you mentioned earlier, you know, we got, um, well, Luca on piano, uh, Marl on uh, organ, and then Ayla on harpsichord, which is just fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a great choice. <laughs> yeah, they, they, uh, and, and yeah, I just adore that. And I think most people love that. But also getting to see, you know, just how technical and complicated some of the work is with your hands and, of course, uh, on the organ with your feet as well. Um, in fact, I think as, as we're recording this right now, once we're done this recording, you'll be posting, is it quarters of time? Yeah, best track. Yeah, that's uh that's a that's a fan favorite. Uh, absolutely absolutely beautiful song. And I saw just last night looking at my subscribe pages, it said, you know, quarters of time is an upcoming video we're gonna premiere. I think you've been doing Monday posts. And maybe were you doing some occasional midweeks as well? Mondays only, and then every once in a while I'll post a short of one some of the shorter like right, a YouTube right. short. Yeah. Right, because there are there are some yeah, some shorter items on there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, but it's a very, very cool thing that you've had going for the last few months. And of course, it's going to keep going until you've released every track. At which point, I'm wondering, uh, what plans do you have in terms of digital distribution? Are you going to have it streaming on other platforms? Are you considering selling it digitally. Uh, what are your thoughts there? So hopefully by the time the podcast is out or before that, it should be any day now, it will be available on my website to purchase digitally. Um, I just kind of wanted to sell the CDs. It, it wasn't like a um, money-making scheme at all because with CDs, you know, it's a lot just to put into making the CDs. So right, and you're for lucky me, to break even. It's a passion Yes, project. I Yes, mm-hmm. I really wanted people to have something physical. It's like owning the physical game. You know, lots of people love that. It's old school, like just having it in your hands just feels yeah. good. Uh, there's a nostalgia factor, and I think there's a factor like – for music collection too, I I know at least for me, like mm-hmm. I, I'm always happy to have like the physical format as well. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, so I'm planning to do that pretty soon, um, even before it's all released on YouTube. And then I have it scheduled to release on streaming platforms like at the end of September, which is about when the full video will come out with all of the tracks in one video on YouTube. Wow. That's going to be a great video to watch. I'm, that's like just getting to watch a whole concert. 
Yes. <laughs> okay, so everybody plan plan a watch party. Yeah, end of September watch party. Will will you like will you do like a live stream of the video on Twitch to like do reactions with chat? Oh, I, I didn't think about that, but I'll be there at the premiere. So it'll nice. be like a two hour, you know, premiere on YouTube and I'll be there and we'll be chatting. It'll be like a live stream. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, exciting. That's very cool. That's very cool. All right. Well, uh, we're going to take a break and we're going to hear, uh, you know, one of the first tracks you released because it is uh, the Chrono Trigger main theme. Um, and people are going to be able to hear it again. This is a piano and organ uh, piece. And uh, after that, we'll come back and talk more with Kara. So that was Chrono Trigger, uh, the song, and the you know the song for theme for the game. Uh, I you know we talked about the versatility and usage of the organ, and I'm and I, I'd like to hear from you, Carol, on, on the you know how you found the you know the right sounds, the right I don't know the technical terminology for how you change sounds with the organ, but. I know that, you know, it can sort of swap in for a lot of, like, synth pads used in these earlier games, and I'm wondering how you found the right sounds to kind of match up with what uh, Mitsuda put into this lovely, lovely theme. Well, I think if you, you know, if, if Mitsuda had the ability to have a full orchestra for the original soundtrack for Chrono Trigger. I think he would have used one, but it it to me it sounds like he ha had one or he had one in mind when he wrote the score, you know, and and when he did the the recordings. Um I don't really know how it works. It's like 8-bit 
like there's only a certain amount of sounds that you can have within a, a game or something. Yeah, there's uh, there's technical limitations. Um, the SNES actually was the beginning of uh, software emulated sounds instead of hardware emulated. So it was 16 bit and it, it, you could create sound fonts, but they were very compressed and very limited in scope. Um, so yeah, they, they were essentially variants of MIDI synth, but like very, very compressed. Yeah. Yeah. So even in Chrono Trigger, even though there were very limited, um, sounds that Mitsuda could work with, you know, if you think of an orchestra and you break it down into sections like the brass or the strings or the reed instruments, you know, that's, I think, how I got my inspiration to do that with the organ, because the organ has the ability to, um, it has trumpet stops, for instance, and trombone stops. So anytime I heard something in the soundtrack that sounded like a brass instrument, I would use that particular stop on the organ. There are string stops. Um, there are reed stops. There are flutes. Um, and so depending on what I was hearing in the original, I wanted this soundtrack, my version of this soundtrack to sound as close to the original as, as possible. Yeah. And I think a really notable section is that, that break in the middle of the Chrono Trigger theme, right before it, the sort of the ending of the song, you get, you get the melody like way up in the high registers and that was clearly meant to be like woodwind or flute and like, like you add you really nail it like that organ sounds exactly like the mix between what i've heard in orchestral arrangements and how it sounds in the like 16-bit original <laughs> right. soundtrack like <laughs> it's right where you want it to be it's like that sound is like i think anyone who knows this song like it's just it it hits you because like when you scale back the music for that part that softer part and then you get that that flute melody it's just so nice yes well, and the other thing to that I really was making sure to be authentic to the original is um, the the first of all the notes. So all the notes that you hear in my arrangements are not mine. <laughs> They're all Mitsudas or Uematsus or whoever wrote the track, um, and I made sure to put them in the exact octave that they were intended for, and that's how it worked to layer the instruments because a lot of times you have melodies that cross each other mm -hmm. and that can't be played on one instrument if you're going to do them exactly as you hear them. Mm -hmm. So I was able to layer things on top of each other within the same octaves and pitches just on different instruments. Yeah. Um, the other thing is that I, I found interesting about the original soundtrack that I tried to um, emulate was the actual lack of bass in the original. Um, it's not super, super bassy. You know, if you were listen to something more modern, um, you would notice how much bassier they are. So a lot of times I would, you know, pick a really heavy pedal stop, you know, on the organ and I would play it and be like, nah, that doesn't sound like the original. It's too much. It's too heavy. So even on some of the bigger tracks, like Chrono Trigger, for instance, I scaled back the bass. I didn't I did not play deep, deep bass mm -hmm. like you might think it should have. <laughs> yeah, I think it's. Uh, I think the track I'm thinking of is Primitive Mountain, but that that do 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 that might actually yeah like you. I think you use piano for that, and I think 
for a lot of the times that you do have to run bass for these tracks, you went piano with it. And I thought those sounded really nice. Well, interestingly, we had a bass. We had a, we actually had an extra mic used on my piano for these. It was a bass mic. So we put the bass mic back behind my piano. Um, and oftentimes we wouldn't even use that bass mic in the, the finished product because it was just too bassy. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I gotta say the, the work you did to put this all together. I mean, I, I'm, I'm wondering, can you quantify like how many hundreds of hours it was to, you know, arrange, perform, record this whole album and video series? I don't think I could put a number on it, but I can say that it took me a year. Mm -hmm. So from start to finish, I remember the first time I really started getting inspired with the project was, I believe, January of not of last year. So of 2022, I guess. Um, and it, we basically finished everything. Uh, and the first video was posted January of this year. So it took a year. But interestingly, this is kind of an interesting fact about the inspiration for this project. When I finished Dancing Mad, I got, you know, I had a lot of great feedback from that. And people were like, oh, you should do this more often. And my first thought was, yeah, let's do the battle themes from Chrono Trigger. So I wanted to do the whole last Lavos battle theme. So World Revolution, the last battle, um, and Lavos's theme. Those were the three. And so I started writing this arrangement for organ and piano. And that was the, my first thought was that it was just going to be those three tracks. And then it sort of morphed into this, like, oh, if I can do these three tracks, I could do the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> and I even um, shared two other soundtracks within that time period. I recorded the whole Final Fantasy VI soundtrack for piano and the whole Chrono Cross soundtrack for piano. And with all with the intentions of working on this massive project of doing the whole Chrono Trigger soundtrack, but it had to be right. I wasn't going to do Chrono Trigger without getting every note right. And you couldn't do it on just one piano. <laughs> yeah, absolutely not. Um, and of course, you know, we do recommend, you know, folks should check out, you know, six, seven, uh, Chrono Cross. And then there's non-RPG stuff you did as well. I think, did you do Donkey Kong Country? Yep, I'm coming out with a Donkey Kong Country 2 medley for organ and piano. Wow. Coming very soon. Oh, those are great soundtracks. Yes. Yeah, they're, uh, I think they're sort of widely regarded as, you know, some of the, some of the best stuff that the rare team ever did um it was that uh david wise mm -hmm. and um two others i think Evelyn uh, fisher England. like they, that that british team did some really incredible music um with the donkey kong country trilogy and that's a whole other sound to kind of figure out so that's it's exciting yeah. and can't wait to hear your take on it yep me too yeah I'm very, very excited to see you do piano and organ because I think the first album, the first game you, you released music for was just piano, right? Yes. Well, for me, you know, the recording aspect of, of doing a piano is much, much, much easier. You know, once you start layering other instruments and the whole production process of, of doing that is massive. And of course, I had somebody help me with that. His name is Jimmy. And he recorded all the organ parts 
for this project. Um, he recorded the harpsichord parts as well. Um, and of course he has expertise in layering these and putting them all together. This is stuff that I didn't know how to do at the time. Um, but I've definitely learned a lot and I actually have my own organ now in my house. And so I've been learning a lot about how to do that myself and to layer instruments all on top of each other and, you know, logic and stuff. Yeah. Where did you get access to a harpsichord? I, I don't imagine you own one of those as well. I do own one of those. <laughs> My dad built one no when way. he was probably 30 years old. Yep. Ah. And my grandmother bought a kit for him, like a that was like full of all the parts. It was a few thousand dollars. Oh. And she basically gave it to him and said, Can you build me a harpsichord? And he built her a harpsichord. And it's upstairs in my uh, in our storage area, wow. and I used that. My dad will tune it, which is great. It's great to have a tuner because to me, that's one of the most important things about any recording is to have your instruments spot on in tune, especially when you're layering them. Um, but yeah, I used his. Well, uh, Kara's dad and and also uh, by extension grandmother. Thank you. Uh, what, like, what a what a wonderful and lasting gift. And you know, I've really come. To, I think I first fell in love with the harpsichord when it was used by um, my all-time favorite uh, piano performer, uh, Tori Amos. She used harpsichord throughout uh, her third album, Voice for Pale and like extensively. And that was in '96. And ever since then, I've I've really had a, a fondness for the harpsichord. It can be a tough instrument on the ear, which I also think the organ can be as well. And especially if you're not used to it, um, you know, in small doses is a good starting point. I didn't use a lot of harpsichord in the Chrono Trigger soundtrack, but anytime I did, if you go back and listen to the original soundtrack, you'll be like, oh yeah, that's that's meant for the harpsichord. <laughs> that makes yeah, sense. I, mean, I, <laughs> yeah. I think... I think like some of the synths were actually meant to be actually harpsichords. Like I think um, um, underground sewer. Is underground a big sewer one. has has it for sure. Uh, I could be wrong, but maybe winds. Yep. And um, peaceful days. Peaceful days. Peaceful is days. The definitely. Yep. There there are a couple tracks on here where it just first I, festival of stars has a yes. big or uh, harpsichord part. Yeah. Yeah. So well, people don't have access to that video yet. It's coming. Mm-hmm. It's uh, coming. That's one of the last tracks. Uh, really, really good stuff. Um, so folks should definitely uh, check out these videos, you know, and we'll definitely have a link to the your site where people can purchase the album digitally. Um, before we wrap up, I'd like to hear, um, you know, do you have any plans right now for future projects? I know you mentioned Dogma Country 2. Anything, anything else? you're eyeing anything down the line that you're interested in. It doesn't have to be RPG or video game related. So yeah, aside from the Donkey Kong uh, video that will be coming out shortly, I'm working on, in fact, I'm, I'm already almost there on finishing it up, but I recorded, I guess like 50 songs on the piano because I want to come out with some relaxing piano albums. Um, and Ooh. so I just sat at the piano and had my followers give me a list of all these songs, you know, from different games, Secret of Mana, Illusion of Gaia, Xenogears, Xenosaga, Okami, um, 
course, Chrono Trigger, Chrono Cross, you know, those will be in there as well. And I'm also adding organ to those as well. So it makes it a little bit more unique because part, part of the thing with the piano is that there's so many covers, so many piano covers of these video game songs. Maybe not yes. as many as we wish there were, <laughs> but to make no, it a little true. bit unique. Yeah. To have, have you know, another others. acoustic instrument. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. I, an Illusion of Gaia cover is, is very exciting to me. Mm. Illusion of Gaia never even had an official soundtrack. Release. No, and that, that upsets me too. So, <laughs> yeah, the, the fact that that'll be among your, among your uh, arrangements and recordings is... Uh, I'm very excited to see what this lovely mix turns out to be. That actually is very exciting to me. I wanted something that people could fall asleep to. You know, a lot of my music is you have to listen to it. It's not mm -hmm. something that you just really put on the background, at least for me. It's hard for me to listen to Chrono Trigger without listening. <laughs> um, <laughs> but just to have relaxing music that's quiet, that you can fall asleep to, that was my intention there. And then the next thing I'm sort of thinking about, but I, I have to play the game first and I'm partially through it, is a full soundtrack for Final Fantasy VII on Ooh. three instruments. <laughs> it's a, it's a big endeavor, but we'll see is, if I remain inspired. That is huge. That's nearly four hours of musical content. If yeah. I <laughs> so that's a... Uh, and that would be piano, organ, harpsichord? Right. Yeah, oh my gosh. Uh, like, I just died and went to heaven. Uh, it's, it's, please for finish me it's, that project. <laughs> I have to figure out if I like the soundtrack enough. That's kind of why I'm playing the game. I want to mm -hmm. see if it's something that I can get inspired to do. But I do feel like the um, appreciation for Final Fantasy VII music is, like, through the roof. People absolutely love the music from that game. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. How, can I ask... As of now, where are you in the game? I just, well, what's that place? Nibelheim. I just, I just got there. Okay. So fairly <laughs> early, probably about yeah. a third of the way through. Yep. Yeah. That's cool. That's wonderful. Yeah. It's a great game. Yeah, definitely. And you'll, um, have, you'll have extra inspiration to, to draw from with all of the, the remake stuff coming around. Yeah. Well, I'm actually, yeah. And, and of course that's, you know, because it's coming out, I think it'll keep my music relevant, which will be really good. I'm playing the original though, because mm -hmm. to me, I want to play the old stuff. I don't care about the new stuff. <laughs> hey, amen. Give me the original. Give <laughs> yeah. me the original. Not, not to bash the, the, the remake <laughs> stuff. I mean, I think there's definitely uh, a good audience for it. Yes. I'm, I'm more inclined to, if someone asked me, Hey, do you want to play, um, FF7, what is it? Rebirth is the first one mm -hmm. or remake and then rebirth. Remake and rebirth doing. is, yep. Rebirth is yeah. the one I'm working so on. Now. Do you want to play that, Patrick? Or do you just want to play the original FF7 again? I think I want to play the original FF7 again. <laughs> don't tell anyone else. Everyone listening, don't tell anyone. I don't wow. Um, so, uh, Kara, you know, you've, I think most, if not all, of what I've seen on your YouTube page is. It's it's Kara as Kara. Sometimes it's Kara plus Kara, doing multiple instruments. I'm wondering if if you have any interest in doing any collaborative work, either online or even locally. Um, you know, you had mentioned Purple Scala as, as a fellow pianist, and she she is amazing. Uh, there's lots of other performers out there that you know play cello, or um, there's vocalists. Though I know you can sing as well. That Over the Rainbow performance <laughs> is really good. Uh, if people want to check it out, I know you've done a couple vocals on top of playing piano. 
But uh, I'm wondering, have you had any desire or interest to, to work with someone else on a project? So I have before, um, few and far between. I did do one with Smart Game Piano, um, actually a few with Smart Game Piano. Um, we did some Octopath. We did some Dark Souls Ooh. stuff, oh, wow. like two piano stuff. In fact, she came to my house one time and we did a two piano version of something together, which was fun. I also did, uh, I collaborated with Insane in the Rain. Oh, yeah. And I went down to his studio and recorded something for him. So that wasn't us together, but it was his arrangement that I played. Um, and I would love to, but the part of the problem for me is I, I just, I'm my connections. I don't know that many people. I don't go to conventions that often. So I don't know people, but if somebody were to reach out to me, like you guys did, I didn't even know who you were, but now I was able to create a nice connection with you. We were able to collaborate together. I would so be up for that if I could find the right person or if they found me. (laughs) Well, we know some people. Uh, we'll have our people get in touch with your people. That sounds great. Yeah, our people, your people, we can make that happen. Uh, the, I didn't know about the, the, the sort of double piano work that you had done. I definitely want to check that out. And Insane in the Rain is uh, really great. Actually, um, I, I just saw this really recently. Um, Square Enix published like on their official channel a video where they had eight different like cover performers and arrangers doing um the main theme for octopath traveler 2 and it's it's cutting between them so it starts out with the composer yasunori nishiki playing the main theme to the game on piano and then it's cutting to these different versions and they got family jewels doing uh the rock version and insane in the rains in there and a couple others uh and i, I was just really excited to see Scranix uh giving appropriate and due recognition to these other artists on their official channel yeah Uh, they've they've always been great about letting people make arrangements and recordings and just they're wonderful about that yeah i think i think they've definitely evolved in that perspective i know that 10 and certainly 15 years ago it was very much not the case Mm -hmm. Uh, but i think with the advent of uh streaming and and you know broadband and digital sales and streaming of music um you know, they more so than a lot of other uh, publishers have really been on the ball about that. And not just in licensing and all that, but also like to give that kind of promotion um, actively like on their channel, I think is just really, really cool. You don't see that a lot. So uh, maybe we can get a, one of these days we can get a, a Cara Comparetto video uh or a feature on square enix's music channel hey shout me out share me do anything i tell my people all the time that's how you get me out there you got to share me and tell people about me i want to get out there (laughs) yeah well i mean you do have a a fair following i think last time i checked is it uh subscribers i think so Mm -hmm. and a lot of your videos have have far higher view counts than that i i've seen plenty of you know, six figure. I don't know. Have some of your videos reached uh, a million? I've never gotten a million. Well, I know it's terrible. <laughs> I know you feel like dancing mad should get you there. It should. Uh, maybe maybe quarters of time will get you there. Maybe <laughs> that's uh since it's so good. That or maybe Scala's theme. Both of those are just <laughs> so freaking good. Um, I'm personally though. I've heard since I've already heard the audio version. I love it. Um, I'm excited to see the video version of Black Omen. I think. 
That's probably yeah. one of my all-time favorite tracks. That's fantastic. And World Revolution is my favorite. And so World Revolution. Oh my do gosh. not miss that one. It's And you should see what it looks like. It's going to be amazing. Oh, that's oh, exciting. Oh, very exciting. So uh, awesome. It's so wonderful to talk to you. Wonderful to virtually meet you today, Kara. Um, before, before we uh, sign off, I'm wondering, um, we sometimes, when we have a special guest on, we like to give them opportunity uh, to pick a song that will play out as the outro, as essentially our bonus track. Um, so if you wanted, you could uh, tell us what song you'd like all of our listeners to hear on the way out of this episode, whether it's one of your versions of a song or someone else's song. Uh, what are you thinking? Oh, boy. On the spot. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, if if I had the opportunity, I would probably shout someone else out, but I can't think of anything off the top of my head. That's fine. So I would just go with one of my Chrono Trigger tracks. Um, and, one of my favorites. All right. Peaceful Days. Peaceful Days it is. All right. All right. So uh, at the end of this episode, you're going to be hearing Kara's uh, version of Peaceful Days, uh, which is one of the uh, early tracks um, for those who for, forget it. It's sort of the um, early town themes it comes on right before millennial fair on the ost um so that's yeah that's a fantastic one and that one features all three instruments right yes it does so we're going to be getting piano organ and harpsichord on this one so everyone enjoy that uh before we head out though um again this is episode 114 at this point i don't know what's coming next because we recorded this uh well in advance uh, but we've had some great recent episodes that came before this. Um, you want to check out uh, episode 111 was Musical Games. I'm on that one. And then uh, after that, we have uh, Hillary. Do you know what we have after that? 112 and 113? It's jazz and funk. Oh, jazz and funk. It's, it's jazzy. It's funky. And those are the next two that we have. Yeah. So there's uh, some great stuff to listen to recently. So be sure to check out those episodes of Rhythm Encounter. Also check out other podcasts. We have Random Encounter and Retro Encounter. Retro Encounter is running every other week right now. And then Random Encounter is... Um, is that also every other week alternating also, so, with us. Yeah, yeah, they alternate with our schedule. And uh, so that's three different podcasts. Random's covering uh, news, recent events, and also sort of a hodgepodge of whatever wants to be covered by the hosts and uh retro we tend to do uh game journals covering uh games that are from the far past and sometimes the more recent past um so be sure to check out those as well um please if you're enjoying this take the time to uh rate us and review us on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, whatever service you use uh that makes a difference in how many people hear uh, or get opportunity uh, to check out our show. So please take a moment to help us beat the algorithm. Um, if you want to contact us, uh, you can email us music at rpgfan.com. If you want to get in touch with me personally, you can contact me pgan, that's P-G-A-N-N at rpgfan.com or find me on Twitter. My handle is Gamedactyl. That's the word game, the letter O, and dactyl. Uh, Hillary, how can people get in touch with you? The best way to get in touch with me is Hillary A at RPGFan.com. Great. And then uh, Kara, 
your opportunity. Plug all the ways people can uh, get in touch with you or interact with you. Just look up my name, Kara Comparetto. You'll find me on YouTube, Instagram, uh, Twitch, Discord, everywhere. Yeah, I, I must say, I actually, the, the way I got in touch with you to do this episode was um, uh, I found my way onto your Discord server. And since joining, I have found, uh, you know, I think your Discord community is actually pretty awesome. Um, so I just wanted, uh, I just wanted to to plug uh, your Discord uh, specifically. Uh, it's been a really great place, and of course, your Twitch channel, uh, wonderful as well. Thank you. All right, so uh, yeah, I think that's about it. Uh, check out the show notes so you can see links to all of uh, Kara's uh, her website, her YouTube, her Twitch, all of that. Uh, if you enjoyed what you heard today, there's so much more. There's literally hours and hours of great content to check out here. Um, and again, there's there are a lot of people doing uh, piano work, piano covers, and you know really love their work. I think there is something really special and unique though about you know adding in these other keyboards. And also, I think the video production that you do, Kara, is just is really top notch. Um, you've done some really cool stuff over the last few years and, you know, we're hoping for more. All right. So, uh, again, we're going to go out on, uh, Kara's selection of, uh, peaceful days from her album, Chrono Trigger played by Kara Comparetto. So enjoying that piano, organ and harpsichord, everybody. We'll see you next time. Enjoy peaceful days. Thanks for joining. Bye.
kind of funny with Chrono Trigger, <laughs> the the first the first main theme. I think people thought I was releasing the whole soundtrack <laughs> when I put when I posted like a premiere of that Chrono Trigger. Right, it's oh. it's complicated because it's the song title yeah. and the game title. <laughs> right, yeah. so I felt kind of bad premiering it. It was only like a minute and a half. <laughs> Yeah. I was like, oh no, I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah, you're like, all right, well, here's here's a presentiment, and now, yeah, Chrono Trigger, and right. they're like, oh, the whole the whole soundtrack, and it's like, no, 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 yeah, <laughs> there's another sixty or Much so more songs. To come. Yeah, yeah, you got like six months to go yeah. or more. 